I am vengeance. I am the night. I am also a podcast. I am a podcast. 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 Whoa! It's a show. It's a show. Audio only, though. What is it about? If you have time, I can tell you that it is a podcast about Batman, a Batman podcast. Uh, what did you want me to say in this part? It's a show! Yeah. Yeah! <laughs> I am a podcast. Whoa! Interviews with fans and people, Hey guys, welcome to Batman the Animated Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Michael, and you're listening to an audio variety show for your ears based on the legendary 1990s cartoon, Batman the Animated Series. Today's sponsor... The Gotham Software Expo. Microchips, DVDs, PCs, and CDs. It's the way of the future, baby. Happy Thanksgiving to those of you who celebrate it, and happy just another Thursday you probably have off from work if you don't and live in the United States. Today we'll be covering one of the lighter, funnier episodes of the series, Joker's Millions. Today's episode, Joker's Millions. The Joker's gone broke. Luckily, the clown prince of crime inherits a cool 250 mil from mob boss King Barlow and spends it on everything from getting out of prison to a fancy decorated mansion and a replacement Harley. That is, until he finds his millions don't quite add up to his expectations. Bum, bum, bum. Written by Paul Dini, directed by Dan Reba. Music by Lolita Ritmanis, with animation by Coco slash Dong Yang. Starring, and this is a long one, you guys, Kevin Conroy as Batman, Tara Strong as Batgirl, Lauren Lester as Nightwing, Mark Hamill as the Joker, Arlene Sorkin as Harley Quinn, Paul Williams as the Penguin in his first new Batman Adventures appearance, Diane Pershing as Poison Ivy, Jeff Glenn Bennett, a.k.a. the voice of Johnny Bravo as Jack Ryder, who becomes the Creeper, Alan Rich as King Barlow, Sam McMurray as Ernie, Maggie Wheeler as Fake Harley, I'm just reading you a credits title, John Gary as Joker's Lawyers, Alfred uh, as played by... You you get it, we get it, okay? You know, there are a lot of people in this episode. Today's fan, Joel Jensen. Joel's a comedian, writer, and UCB improviser, as well as the co-founder of Hello Denison, a.k.a. the guy who makes all those tiny hamster videos, as well as the book Tiny Hamsters Eating Tiny Food is a Giant Monster. He also improvises with the Dragons, one of my fave improv teams, and they can be seen at UCBLA almost weekly. He's a real hoot and a holler, so let's get to... diving in cool let's just dive in so i'm sitting here with joel jensen hello hello <laughs> we were just talking brisket yeah you know, just to fill you in on what you'll never hear <laughs> uh i'm pumped to have you on the show thanks it's good to be here yeah what are you well what's your background with batman uh sure. what about the animated series did you watch it as a kid mm-hmm. i feel like the answer is yes because yeah. we just talked about it yeah yeah i definitely watched it as a kid I, like i don't have a ton of like specific memories about it i was like thinking about this earlier i have more like uh it almost feels more like tone memories where like 
the show is so specific and it's like uh, ambiance and like aesthetic that that's the stuff that I mostly recall about it rather than like specific episodes. Mm-hmm. So like when I watched uh, this episode today and like those that opening uh, like the opening credits roll and it's like so perfect and like took me right back in and I did like all of a sudden have like almost like sense memory of watching it because I hadn't seen it in such a long time. And uh, yeah, like I, I used to watch it when I would come home from school a lot, I remember. And I remember just like how cool the character design always was and like the animation style. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I loved it. Yeah, I mean, I feel like if you were of a certain age, <laughs> like mm-hmm. you just came home, you watched this show. Yeah. Glued to a TV after school. There were like two episodes sometimes back to back. Yeah. I think when I initially reached out to you, you had, there were some episodes you brought up that you loved. Yes. Like I know the Clayface episodes, yes. I think. Yeah. A lot of monster stuff. I think. Uh, <laughs> That's true. Moon of the Wolf. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, it's very true, actually. I hadn't like pieced that together, but that there are, yeah, the ones that really stuck out to me were like those like more monstery the least grounded uh episodes of the <laughs> of the whole run basically <laughs> but yeah like i think i really that werewolf one uh i remember because it seemed so crazy and i remember uh being so impressed that they would like go that go that way to like do a, a literal werewolf <laughs> And, like, Batman fighting a literal werewolf is so cool. Yeah, this is the same world as gangsters and mobsters. Right. <laughs> and there's, like, oh, but also there's a werewolf. Yeah, it's, like, such a cool hallmark of the show. And I was, like, when I was watching this one today, I was thinking about the same thing. Like, the way that they construct their world is so fascinating because they can get away with werewolves. They can get away with, uh, like, the Joker running amok as a as a freshly minted multimillionaire, like... <laughs> Very quickly explained away in an O.J. Simpson joke. Yes, <laughs> which is I love that. <laughs> well, when when I when I, that joke landed, that that very specific O.J. Simpson reference, and they like kind of touch on it a couple times, like a little bit of a runner throughout the episode. I was like, I wonder if Justin picked this episode for today because he knows how obsessed I am with uh, the O.J. Simpson. It just felt trial. like a happy accident. <laughs> I was like, oh, because that character shows up and they do. Kind of a twist on the exact same Cochrane line, but yes. in like two other episodes of the series. Or oh, it was really? like one other Batman episode, and then they carry it into the Justice League. Really? Yeah. I think there's like a Green Lantern episode, and they have the same sort of bit. See, it's so funny because like, after that joke, I immediately was like, what year did this episode come out? Like, I got to know. And it was like 1997. Yeah, this was way later <laughs> than... OJ being relevant. Yeah, that was like 93 mm-hmm. and, or 94. I remember or I was in second grade personally when mm-hmm. it all went down. So it was also, I think it was when the animated series was going on. Yeah. But yeah. they probably had already <laughs> filmed a lot of stuff. And like, it's it's very funny that that joke comes up in later episodes too because it's just like clearly uh, one of the writers just is obsessed with it and thinks it's the funniest thing in the world. <laughs> it's it's very funny and it's it's such a funny character to keep bringing back. Yes. There's this Johnny Cochran style guy in the DC universe. Yeah, it's like uh, 
in the DC universe and in the Seinfeld universe is uh, Johnny Cochran joke man. Yes. <laughs> I mean, there's a podcast that uh, we could do about that alone. Yeah, absolutely. Johnny Cochran's talking Cochran. <laughs> talking Cochran. Talking cock. And, <laughs> I'll tell you what, Johnny Cochran would love a podcast called Talking Cochran. That'd be like right up his alley. Yeah, I mean, I know him, personal close friend, Johnny Cochran, still around. <laughs> Uh, well, we, were, we we dove kind of into Joker's Millions by way mm-hmm. of O.J. Simpson, mm-hmm. as every good episode of this podcast always does. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so had you seen this one before? This was later. And- I don't think I'd seen this one. In fact, I don't think I really watched much of The New Adventures. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, when I watched it, because I had, like, poked around and, like, looked around and I knew that there was, like, changes in the design and stuff. But when I saw it, I didn't really remember... Uh, that change. Uh, and I also saw there was like a lot of controversy around it. A lot of people were upset by it. Hugely devastated by <laughs> the art style changing. Yeah, which is like a, a really nice prelude to the way that people think like think about uh, creative choices in any comic related thing now. It's, I guess it's people have always been very, very sensitive about that kind of thing. I thought it looked pretty good. Yeah, and it's interesting because I remember when it came out, I wasn't as on board with the new designs but i remember it looked really new and crisp mm. and now looking at it it looks older yeah you know it it still looks like it has some texture and realness to it whereas yeah. before i was like god this is too clean mm. like the old batman stuff was like real rubbery and it really was you know and and it does look noticeably different but even this feels old in a good way to me yeah i like after i watched this episode i looked back at some stuff from uh Season three, just to like reorient my brain with what it had looked like. Yeah. And it is like really rubbery and weird. And I could see very easily somebody who, if like, if they'd only ever watched season four, looking back on that stuff and being like, yuck. Yeah. Not liking any of the stuff before that. It's kind of ugly. I think it like works for it um, because of like the nature of the show, obviously. And like, there are a lot of like twisted, grotesque characters in it. Mm -hmm. But they really do like clean it up aesthetically in season four and I could see people preferring that if that's like where you came from yeah it's more clean lines more I mean it was easier to animate I think that was Mm -hmm. the main reason they did it was like hey this show has too many lines and people are actually animating this Mm. (laughs) and so I think he just streamlined the look uh, or at least you know the the team but I think it was like mostly Bruce Timm's designs but I love that early stuff it looks very like 1930s 40s fleischery yeah it's so cool and like um the like art deco nature of it. Uh, when I was a kid, I was never, you know, obviously n- literally no kid knows what art deco is. No. <laughs> but uh, it was certainly cool to now be able to like look at it and say, and see that as like the sort of uh, aesthetic choice that they went with uh, and how much that defined how I look at Batman even now. Mm-hmm. Like even the like Christopher Nolan Batman movies, like I half expect to see like you know an old art decoy television uh with the news on it or something yeah you know rounded I mean? edges and yeah. black and white yeah yeah the, i mean and that's where like that ownership comes into play i think it's real interesting that people have such an ownership over somebody else's creation yeah <laughs> especially yeah. when it's like gotten this large it's like well i want it this way cuz i grew up on it this mm-hmm, way mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um well 
Joker's Millions. <laughs> Let's dive in. Yeah. Uh, so this is, I think, one of the most deliberately comedic episodes. It's very funny. And it's adapted from an actual 1950s comic. Really? Yeah. It was uh, by the same name. Um, and I, I guess in some of the trivia I looked up online, similar to 1985 film Brewster's Millions. <laughs> it, <laughs> I wonder if, how much a direct reference uh, it does to that. I don't know. I've never seen Brewster's Millions. It's a Richard Pryor movie, and yeah. I think there's a, you know, a similar videotape that's sent to the main character, like a mocking videotape. <laughs> but I think it seems more in line with the comic Joker's Millions that it's based on with the same name. Yeah, it seems like that's like a very uh, sort of classic, uh, like a uh, story trope is uh, giving uh, some poor loser a shitload of money and seeing what uh, what chaos they. Uh, unleash you know because like you have your Brewster's Millions I feel like there's been other movies that are essentially like that like Mm -hmm. even like Trading Places kind of does that it's like this cool like well trodden territory which it makes sense that it was like a 50s comic because there's like such broad like story style for those yeah it's very screwball yes yeah Uh, I mean it even feels like the blank check is a version of that story yeah uh, you know, famously written by the guy who wrote uh, Save the Cat. That's right. <laughs> I think it's so insane that he brings up Blank Check every chance he gets <laughs> in that book as an example of good screenwriting when Dude, yeah. it's objectively a bad movie. I, so I recently read uh, Save the Cat like a couple months ago. And certainly it's enlightening and uh, like, but it is so funny that Every st- everything that he wrote that he references, he, like blank check. I was just thinking the other day about how he talks about some idea he sold for like two million dollars called Nuclear Family, but a family he goes camping it on a radioactive, <laughs> in a radioactive uh, area. Yep, and they all get dumb superpowers. It's so funny to me that he gets to like sit as a guru of of screenwriting. He's smart. He does know it. He's yeah, it's talking like you about, get the structure, crazy. and this is helpful that you've outlined this for people. But it's like you're not pointing to films; you're pointing to like <laughs> weird summer movies, yeah, exactly, uh, where a guy kisses, you know, a little kid, you know, kisses on the lips uh, an FBI, a grown an FBI woman. agent, a professional woman. We're not here to talk about blank check. We're here to talk about <laughs> Joker's Millions. Different money. Uh, what was your how did how did you feel about it overall? By the end of it, what was your impression? Uh, I loved it. I had a great time with it. I thought there were some really great jokes in it. Yeah, I think it comedically holds up really yeah. well. And sometimes when you watch these actiony cartoons try to do comedy, it falls so flat. Yeah. But the pacing and the directing was—I thought the directing and the writing was—it was both really good. Yeah, I, like there were some really great classic reveal jokes, mm-hmm. like. Uh, uh, speaking of the O.J. Simpson scene, like uh, when they're talking to, uh, I don't, I don't know if he's like the D.A. or something, and he's like saying that the Joker's a, a good guy, he's reformed, <laughs> yeah. and then they're talking about like there's reports that he's been bribing people, and the guy says, no, no, of course not, and they cut to a wide shot of him in a beautiful sports car. Yeah, I'm not even going to comment on that <laughs> yeah. or something. <laughs> yeah, cut to wide of him driving away like yeah. this old man with a young woman, and it's like the timing of it is so good, it lands so well, and then there's another one when. Uh, Harley Quinn is is talking to Poison Ivy in uh, Arkham, and and she's like saying that he'll get him out or he'll get her out, he'll he'll buy her way out, and then and then Poison Ivy like 
turns the newspaper around and it says, Joker looking for new henchwoman. Yeah. It's so That's funny. the huge headline, too. <laughs> what a headline. I love it. Yeah, it really is just like a joke parade of an episode. Yeah. And I love that it's about the Joker. Like, Batman barely speaks in it. Mm-hmm. They have, like, the obligatory action. Mm-hmm. But the act breaks all come at emotional points for the Joker. Correct, yeah. Uh, which I thought was, it's cool that it, you know, whatever, they did like 80-something episodes, so they're like, great, we've earned this. Yeah. We can now do an episode that follows him as the main character. Yeah, yeah, it was really cool. Um, speaking of Saves the Cat, yeah, like the story structure is all built around him, and like the third act opens with the Joker like laying out his dilemma mm-hmm. uh, to be resolved. It was like, so like even it was like structured really Clearly and really well. Yeah, I couldn't believe they packed so much in. That's yeah. what I'm always surprised by the best episodes of the show, how much they get out. And if you look at it, it's expository dialogue, but it's never, it, it doesn't feel too on the nose in a bad way. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think you get away with it because it is, you know, broader superhero stuff, but it, it doesn't feel like it's selling out the genre. Right. Um, yeah, it felt like really just like well put together. Uh, and it was a real, it was like just a a fun episode of, of TV to watch. Some people hate it. Really? Uh, yeah. Well, I think they don't like, they're like, you know, there are those fans who want a dark Joker, mm. you know, and they're like, how can this Joker who's terrifying and scary in other episodes just be this goofball, screwball comedian? It's like, well, I, it's fun. Yeah. My response is, who cares? Yeah. So? <laughs> Yeah. Whatever. I, and if it's well done, then I'm sold. Yeah, I mean, There's look, room for every kind of joker. Does he... So in this episode, he has two pet uh, laughing hyenas. Now, do those appear in other episodes? Yes. They are Harley Quinn's dogs. Her, her hyenas are her babies. And so I would say to somebody who has a problem with the Joker's representation in this episode versus any other, he has two pet hyenas in those other ones. Yeah, those exist elsewhere in the animated series. Yeah. Did you notice, I really loved this, is uh, the the sound effects for the for these two hyenas was real hyena sound effects that were clearly uh, recorded. Uh, they're like clearly from some library or something because the quality of the audio is like weirdly tinnier than <laughs> the characters speaking. I didn't notice. It was so funny. Just to me. reusing the same hyena sound over <laughs> yeah. and over. It's like real, uh, in like uh, recorded in the wild sound effects. It sounds like to me, and it, the quality of that audio is just slightly different. And it was so funny to me, and I loved it. <laughs> you just hear out of the corner, like there's hyenas in the zoo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, why don't we go through it? You know, top to bottom. Cool. See what we come up with. It opens with uh, a weird, like a giant computer expo, a yes. software expo, which was. What a damn dream to see the vision of the 90s that no longer exists. Yeah. Uh, CDs, DVDs, <laughs> microchips being- Motherboards. Motherboards, yeah. Uh, I did like that it was like typed out on like old school DOS. <laughs> I thought that was really cool, yeah. Although it had nothing to do with anything. Nope. Uh, <laughs> it was just a cold open that was, it felt like the a comic book of the 50s where everything was gigantic yeah. because it was fun. Yes. And the fact that there was just this huge set piece battle where Batman's breaking through giant DVDs and Harley Quinn's yeah. pocketing microchips. Works for me. Yeah. I When in that first shot too, like uh, the computer screen that the credits are displayed on gets shot by a gun. Uh-huh. And I was so taken aback by the gun sound effects. Uh, which I, you've probably addressed on this before, 
but they're so uh, different sounding from gun sound effects that I think I hear even in like adult stuff now. They were so like real and like visceral, mm-hmm. and it was really surprising. Yeah, I feel like they 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 tamed it down more and more as the series went on. Because like some of the guns, like at the end with on that boat, looked like they had weird gas canisters. They yes. were like these are not real guns. Yeah, uh, they used to have like real guns, but yeah, they're insane. Yeah, it sounds. It's crazy to think that as kids you were just listening to actual gunshots that much. <laughs> they're like heavy and like very metallic sounding and like. Even like later in the episode, when they, uh, when that mobster bodyguards henchmen like attack uh, the Joker at the Penguin's dinner, the like way that they lock and load is like insanely real sounding. Yeah, they they really like add to the stakes of the show. Even yeah. if it's a goofy comedic episode, <laughs> that kind of grounded sound design I think does help. Yeah, I, th- I loved it. I thought it was like a really cool texture. You love the sound of guns, though. I truly do. <laughs> you go to you go to bed listening to gunshots. I find it deeply satisfying. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you might be my most insane friend. <laughs> uh, Joker's running out of bullets. Uh, quick, more bullets. Harley says they're expensive, which I think is very funny because I think bullets are very cheap. Yes. <laughs> uh, so he is destitute. <laughs> he is so broke. <laughs> it's insane. Uh, I like this trick eye. Yeah, that was crazy to me. I found that to be just so crazy, but, but you know, I'm in. Him trying, like just going for broke with every little gag he has, <laughs> trying to squirt his acid flower and it just flopping on the ground. It was, was like very, very viscous acid. Yeah. <laughs> Him failing is very funny to watch. It truly is. Uh, I did love... Uh, oh. I love the Joker ejecting and then leaving Harley behind because he didn't have enough money for another ejector seat. That's such a funny joke. Yeah. They they were all just good visual gags. Him living in a shitty apartment is funny. Oh, my God. That apartment killed me. I thought it was so funny because, first of all, like it comes out of nowhere very obviously. So so yet again, I would counter the, the people who hate this episode to be like, well, come on. It's like clearly... Clearly, very standalone. You, I don't think you can hold it against the like canon, right? Because it's a joke. Uh, but like, he has like the old hobo clown, a portrait of that old hobo clown. Uh-huh. And it's like, I really liked that it was like a Looney Tune level, broad, poor person apartment, but in the visual style and look and feel of the these very distinct Batman cartoons. Yeah, it did feel like Looney Tunes by way of Batman. Yeah. And a lot of those guys grew up on that. Like, I know Paul Dini, who wrote the episode, came from Tiny Toons to Batman. Really? Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, a lot of those guys worked on that kind of stuff. So I, you can see that <laughs> transition. Yeah. It was so funny. And he, like, comes in and leans against the door and says he doesn't have two nickels to rub together. And it's just, how is that not the funniest thing? It's great. Yeah. yeah. I mean, just them playing this, like, blasé hotel motel owner being like, you're late with your oh. rent, Mr. Kerr. Kerr. <laughs> <laughs> like, just her being like, I know you're the fucking Joker because you, so you're not funny. even trying to disguise yourself. <laughs> yeah, it was, like, such a wink to the absurdity. Yeah. God, that that really was funny. I Like, I wasn't prepared for how sort of self-aware... Uh, the comedy would be in that episode. Mm-hmm. And so when that line happened, the Mr. Kerr line, I I was really like, I really perked up like, oh, we're going to have this kind of fun. Yeah. 
It it is it's a it's a very winky. I mean, like he mugs the audience at one point. Like he turns and he mugs the audience <laughs> later in the episode. Uh, what is it? King Barlow. They find a tape. King Barlow, who is the grossest man alive. Nasty dude. Nasty, horrible teeth. <laughs> He's wheezing. Huge liver spots. Oh God! Everything you don't want in a human being. <laughs> Uh, real, really, just a warning to all children not to smoke or have liver spots. <laughs> Does he appear in? Is that a character ever else? No. Love the voice actor. I thought yeah. the voice was great. He was so gross. <laughs> yeah, I was wondering how they achieved that like wheezing cough. I don't know. That to me feels like a voiceover pro sort of yeah. thing. Like, <laughs> it was amazing. It, it was like wet and gross. It was disgusting. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, I turned it off and I've never seen the end of the episode. <laughs> yeah, I had about enough at that point. <laughs> yeah, you were perked up and then immediately <laughs> shut it off. So you don't know how it ends. Uh, he left $250 million for the Joker. Um, then we have the, if a man's filled with glee, that man must go free. <laughs> Quickly, the Joker is just acquitted, OJ style, which yeah. I think is such a fun comedy way of getting from point A to point B quickly. It's great. And if you need to, yeah, especially if you need to uh, wipe over some uh, something to do with uh, uh, getting through the justice system, uh, especially by flexing money, an OJ Simpson joke is the only way to go. Yep, I think it's come full circle. Like, maybe at the time it was a little dated and it's like, no, 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 just you wait. No, just you wait. <laughs> just you wait. Especially he just got released. Yeah, this is very topical. <laughs> very topical I'd say episode. this is a very topical episode <laughs> and a very important episode for people to listen to. Uh, I'm hoping to get on the AV Club's podmas for this. <laughs> uh... What are they? Oh, I love the psychological examination. Yes. That was such a funny visual gag, just them holding up bat symbols and robin symbols and him just not knowing. Well, and at one point, he he grabs the bat symbol paper and holds it uh, vertically as if he doesn't know which way it should be <laughs> yeah. oriented. I thought that was great. What a funny artist joke, too. Yeah. I feel like that's the kind of stuff that you get. I mean, maybe it was in the script, but I feel like board artists plus things in that kind of way. Mm-hmm. It's very cool. Uh I think this was the first uh, time we saw the Iceberg Lounge, which is that Penguin's joint. In the mm. new series, they make the Penguin go legit. So he's just kind of this shitty mobster businessman who owns a, an Iceberg-themed club. Yeah, when when um, uh, Batgirl and Nightwing are in the line trying to get in and they she like references her dad loudly so that he'll let her in. And he complains about how she like never worked for anything in her life. I was like... Uh, he just sounds like a grumpy Republican man. Yeah. Like, rather than a supervillain. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of what he's become. Yeah. <laughs> he was like a very, just like, he sounded like some asshole from the suburbs at this point, you know, wearing a giant top hat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's a tiny man in a giant top it's hat. It's huge. <laughs> I guess he's just, you know, really trying to lean into it. <laughs> lean in, buddy. Well, they, they go inside there. They see the Joker. I thought the direction in this was really good. Was I great. liked how we were, like, kind of tracking down from, like, Dick and Babs. Yes. As I call them. <laughs> uh, down to the kitchen, those double doors, seeing seeing yeah. the cooks tied up and stuff. Yeah, yeah, that was great. And it was also a cool, I found it a cool sort of inversion of, you know, your standard uh, Batman fare in that the, like, villain in that moment who had like tied up the cooking staff was not a super villain he was just a bodyguard and it was interesting to see i i I thought that was just a fun uh byproduct of like the 
story and plot of the this episode. Yeah, the baddie was just a mobster. Just a some dude. Some goon who's pissed he didn't get his money. Yeah. And the, and also, like, Nightwing and Batgirl are bad guys because you're watching watching the Joker have fun is the point of the episode. Right. So you don't want them to stop the fun. Like, yeah. he has that huge ice sculpture and he's just thrilled to be hanging out. Yeah, and he's not even really doing anything wrong. No. Living well is the best revenge is, is all he says. <laughs> uh, I also found deeply enjoyable that uh, in that uh, – lounge scene you have a moment where uh seals and uh hyenas are interacting with each other yes and, and i've never seen that combination on screen before no and i feel like we would maybe never will again <laughs> i very much doubt it also those were vicious seals yeah they're or sea lions i don't know what the difference is you know what they're probably sea lions which i believe are more aggressive Okay, we'll, we'll just assume that's what they are. <laughs> yeah, those sea lions or seals attacked the shit out of that one yeah, guy. Yeah, it was crazy. Uh, they, also, the the goon that we were just talking about who was planning this whole takedown of the Joker, he gets hit with like a like a shuriken or yeah, a Yeah, like a batarang what, style thing. Yeah, whatever Nightwing's version of that is. Yeah. He, I think it hits him in the head. And then a chandelier falls on his head, <laughs> but he still gets up. And then the Joker puts just a big a bowl, bowl on, on a big metal bowl. <laughs> If that guy's not dead, he's he's definitely not speaking real words. Yeah, I was. It was. I found that a bizarre moment where first I was like, "Wait, does the Joker always have to assault people in a funny way?" And then uh, the answer is clearly no, because later in the episode he pulls a gun on an innocent woman, yeah. and wants to shoot her in the back of the head. Yes. So why did he do that? And his goon's like, "Whoa, whoa, 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 buddy, buddy, <laughs> yeah, buddy, buddy, buddy. Like, hey." The yeah. guy just being like, please don't do that is, is so I insane just, I, in that I cannot, episode. I, please don't kill. I can't see somebody else die in front of me. <laughs> yeah. Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, let's see. Oh, yeah. Joker tries paying off Batgirl and Nightwing. Uh, then we have a like, let the good times roll montage with mm-hmm. what sounded like ripoff Peanuts music. <laughs> it was like very like Linus. Yes. Uh, or, or Schroeder. He's the, he's the piano guy. Schroeder's right? piano man. Linus dances? Or does Pigpen dance? <laughs> I think Linus and Pigpen dance for each other while Schroeder <laughs> plays the piano behind closed doors. <laughs> uh, in my alternate version of Peanuts. <laughs> Porn nuts. Oh. Yep. Cool. Uh, Joker buys a house, paints it. He plays golf. Bruce Wayne's pissed. We don't hear Batman speak very much. Um, that golfing beat, I got to call out. One of my favorite things in in any form of media is somebody who has a clear sort of this is how I dress type uniform, like a <laughs> uniform, getting adapted into a golf version of of that. And this was a great example of that where he's in his purples and greens. Mm-hmm. He's got a big, a big floppy beret mm-hmm. type hat. And it was such a perfect uh, translation of, of Joker suit to golf, like asshole golf outfit. And it was so, I just love that stuff. Yeah, and he had enough force that he bent bent the club into, the a, club into a, a million directions. Yeah. That's a, another Looney Tunes joke that like just hit. Yeah. And <laughs> it really worked great and then he drives the cart and screws up uh Bruce Wayne being a huge creep on the golf course. Yeah, just lurking. Yeah, like arms around uh I don't know who that is. Is, is she a character in the show or what? I I think it was just an unnamed woman. And his arms are, he's just enveloping her as he like holds the club from behind her. Well, there's no real good way to look at that. Because on the one hand, he could have, 
I guess he could be dating her. Could and, be. You know, but what we know about him is if he's dating anybody, it's a front. Yeah. He's, he's, <laughs> he, he has no real emotional stability. Uh, so more than likely, he's spying on the Joker and using this woman as a way. <laughs> How long were they just standing there? It's like <laughs> setting up like shot. No, 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 no. Wobbling his arms a little bit, looking around. I think we'll need another 30 minutes here. <laughs> <laughs> At this hole? Uh, and then we get to, we see, we cut back to Harley. We have that Joker Seeks new hench girl beat. What a great joke that was. Yeah. And then we had auditions for <laughs> Harley's. Also, just outright saying, too fat, (laughs) too short, too old, too old. And then, uh, yeah, I I was like, well, okay, so that's dated. But that was like the first real time I felt this uh, is dated. And that's even like, you know, things in 2014 are probably still making that joke. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure things now are still making that joke. Yeah. Uh, I liked uh, the the big burly dude Harley. Yes, I, yeah. And him just going, darn. <laughs> yeah. And then Joker regretting not uh, hiring him later. <laughs> yeah, it's very funny. <laughs> and I think he called him fat too. Uh, he did. He said, uh, <laughs> yeah, he just described, he said, I should have cast that big fat guy instead. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of fat jokes, I feel like, that were just okay. Yeah, and they're very dense. They're like, there's fat jokes in that episode are at least densely compacted into the span of two minutes. Yeah, they're all, I mean, that's the that's the fat section. And Save the Cat, they say, hey, why don't you rip into people for their weight? Yeah, and make sure it happens at about uh, 15 pages in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, in Blank Check, uh, we had uh, the kid make fun of one of the fat goons. <laughs> I guarantee you that he does make fun of somebody fat in that movie. Oh, yeah, Promise absolutely. Based on how offensive the rest of that movie is and how <laughs> it doesn't hold up for sure. Uh, oh, that uh, I mean, I loved fake Harley. Yeah. Sure, Mr. G. Her calling him Mr. G <laughs> was... Perfect. It's the perfect the perfect wrong thing to do. It's like you couldn't have done this episode until after years of other Harley episodes <laughs> just for this payoff. Yeah, it's like um, in my mind, like a joke like that is like, so there's joke jokes like the headline joke. And then there's like a slant rhyme joke, mm-hmm. which is like, which is that calling a Mr. G instead of Mr. J. Yeah, because it's it, it, it almost slipped past me the first time. Because it sounds normal the way she delivers it. (laughs) And he wants to shoot her because of it later. I love that she's like, this job has a 401k plan, right? I felt that that was something about this episode that was very strange, is how much time they spend talking about things like 401ks. The IRS. The IRS. uh, the the second act break happens when the Joker finds out how much money he owes in taxes to the IRS. I remember not quite understanding that at the time <laughs> I just remember like it feel this is an adult joke like you know oh Batman I'm afraid of him but the IRS no thank you or yeah. whatever and it's like it's a huge dad joke yeah and it's so crazy and the way that that you know reflects on the like larger sort of uh, infrastructural or like cosmology of that world is Truly insane. It's so fun. <laughs> also, the guy from the IRS is named Perry. Perfect name. Hello, I'm Perry from the Internal Revenue yes. Service. It was so good. And then even later, too, like uh, the Harley's replacement 
makes a reference to how they told her it was an equity gig. Yes. And I was like... As she's being carted off. <laughs> yeah. What a weird... Like, they're really leaning into all sorts of economic specifics. And, I mean, you knew that this was, like, clearly for adults as well. Yeah. It was one of those, like, oh, this is, like, these are, like, Pixar jokes now. Yeah. Essentially, where it's, like, it'll go over the kids' heads, but... This is real funny if you have to sit there and watch it with your kids or yeah. if you want to watch it because I think it was targeted to both demos at this that point. That makes sense. It, like, even with that tax joke, I'm pretty sure, like, the number that he owed was accurate. Like, <laughs> he inherited $250 million and he owed 147 or he had 147 left. So, they took, like, he probably had 147 left. So, they took, like, almost half of it, which is, I think, how it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And that that level of accuracy, like somebody kind of had a bone to pick. I think there was like a little bit of politics. I think entering into it, yeah, just through we- like weird to be that specific as a joke in itself, and in, in such a funny way that I would have never like expected from that. I was like so surprised with every joke. Yeah, I think I didn't like this as much when I was younger because it was that, like, that was the heart of the episode. Mm -hmm. I thought it was funny, but I think now it's way funnier. Yeah, (laughs) it's super funny. Uh, Also, they're doing that in a room where (laughs) they have a crossword puzzle on the floor that says stall and kill or stock (laughs) kill. Uh, But he does get scary. Uh, Like, you know, he finds out everything's fake. Yeah. Gotcha, Joker. (laughs) What What a gotcha. Like that's a huge specific gotcha. Nobody looked. No, no. Huh? Well, these guys have funny faces. <laughs> yeah, I, I love that he's he, he finds out uh, the joke's on you, sucker. I got the last laugh after all. That gross laugh. It's great. And the Joker shooting the TV with his gun. What a cool cut. Cool, cool cut. Cool shot. Like I loved. Yeah. I I prefer like the older design of the mm-hmm. Joker, but in this one, his beady little eyes. Whenever they were shadowed, and they did it a lot later yeah. in the episode, they made him scary even in a comedic episode. Yeah, yeah. He that that shot as this like gun smoke clears is so cool. Well, because you see, it's like you know the old. What was it? Uh, what's the that movie? One of the first films where like the the cowboy, or the robber is shoot holding a gun mm-hmm. to the screen. Mm-hmm. Blanking out, you know, only went to film school, <laughs> but they, you know, it was like scary to people at the time. But like, I feel like you couldn't get away with holding a gun straight to screen on a kid's show. Absolutely now. not. Absolutely. Uh, not. Or there would be a big fight, and you'd have to trick them into doing it. And maybe yeah. that's what they did. Uh, but we we get back and <laughs> what is it, Ernie or Ernie? That poor empathetic henchman's like, <laughs> why don't you do one of your classic schemes like the laughing fish? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, no. Fucking great idea, Ernie. <laughs> I'll just let Batman know. Destroys Ernie. <laughs> yeah, he really does. But he wants to shoot Harley, fake Harley. Yeah, it's like a really strange moment that w- that only became strange to me when uh, uh, the dude is like, please don't. Where it's like, oh, so, th- but this was real. Yes. Like, she- her brains would have been splattered out if he had had his way and nobody had interrupted it. Like, it was like a cool sobering grounding moment that I yeah. I doubt was really intended as that but on this it watch it, yeah it really felt like oh yeah because it does feel like a chilling to all you naysayers about this episode <laughs> uh, <laughs> I feel like there are these you know the Joker is this monster of a human being who represents people who will take you on like a wild ride but also will never have your back and use you and right. kill you and abuse you yeah uh, it is interesting to like be lured into funny Looney Tunes style hijinks and then just abruptly cut to 
holding a gun to a woman who doesn't even know yes. that she has a gun being pointed at her. Yeah. Who you haven't even called by her real name. <laughs> you know, like that's that's like such an insane, yeah, sobering moment. Yeah, it's like this is a weird comparison, but I uh because it was just recently Halloween, I just uh watched Drag Me to Hell uh-huh. uh, the other day, which is one of my all-time favorite movies. And largely because of that exact phenomenon of like Looney Tunes level silliness, then countered by like dark, actually scary, disturbing moments. Yeah, that movie really bounces back and forth in a nice yeah, way. Yeah, it's amazing. And so, so there's so much funny blood and vomit. Yeah, <laughs> but also after a certain point, you're like, oh my god. Yeah, <laughs> like the timing of it's funny. Yeah, there, there's like literally a a shot in that movie where the the like evil. Um, uh, gypsy woman has an anvil dropped on her head and her teeth fly out. Yes. <laughs> I saw her the first time a few years ago and I was like, oh my God, what yeah. have I been missing out on? Yeah. Well, moving on. Wrapping up act three. I broke it up into acts. This is great. <laughs> yeah, you know, I read Save the Cat. <laughs> uh, That's Harley's what you mean by escaped. going to film school, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I read Save the Cat. Yeah, I mean, I paid thousands and thousands of dollars uh, for a single copy of Save the Cat at a Barnes & Noble that I think wasn't a Barnes & Noble. <laughs> uh, I love that we have, like, fake Joker at the Iceberg Lounge. Yeah. Uh, he sounds like, it sounded like Hamill was doing a bad impression of himself yes. and the real guy was different. Yeah. But I thought that was real fun. Yeah. Uh, the timing was really, really good on the Bruce Wayne trying to investigate him. Like, he was like, hey, good to see you. And he's like, the last time we met, you tried to throw me off a building. <laughs> oh. Huh. <laughs> Glad you got past that. Yeah. It was a month ago. Yeah. Yeah, it was a while ago. Yeah. That was great. Um, I loved uh, that the gent sign in the Iceberg Lounge is a penguin, a <laughs> yeah. male penguin, I guess. I'm curious about what they would do for the female uh, like a women's bathroom. It's just a vagina, human <laughs> vagina. Yeah, the penguin was pretty raunchy and weird. Uh, yeah, it got shut down. Yeah, I could see him be doing that, exactly that. I mean, Danny DeVito. I could see him. I know the penguin, <laughs> Danny DeVito penguin for sure. Oh yeah, uh, that's a horny penguin. <laughs> uh, let's say, oh yeah, he, he robs the docks. He tries to do the most unjoker scheme possible. Mm-hmm. Um, no laughing gas, no grins, no way. Bat boy can trace this back to me. Which. If he was so broke, why didn't he just do that in the first place, is my question. Or yeah. stage a less ambitious uh, heist. Rob the giant software expo versus... Yeah. I feel like he is, you know, he, he's not a logical character, but yeah, this is a Looney Tunes episode. It doesn't yeah. really make sense. I did love to, uh, after they like staged the heist, and uh, then a giant wave hits the boat, and he shouts like, uh, like a New York longshore, like a longshoreman or something, <laughs> uh, like... Keep the boat in the water. It's like such a strange, funny choice. Very funny choice. Joker, I feel like, is also bouncing around. Like he is, he's like, this is Mark Hamill's Robin Williams as the genie, I feel like. Yes. Like he will dive into stuff himself. Yeah, I mean, he really performed the shit out of it. It's great. Yeah. 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 Love the sh- the the money being shredded by the blades of the <laughs> that boat was, was so such funny. a nice touch. It was so just like a, a, a like cherry on top of a joke. Uh, him jumping to try to get to it, and I was like, "No, don't <laughs> say, don't be stupid. You can't save that money. I don't want to save it. I want to go with it. I want to go with it. I 
I also really liked the moment too when he's like, keep the boat in the water and you and you cut up to and it's fake Harley Quinn driving the boat. And you feel like real empathy. I did at least. I felt real empathy for her because she's like, this wasn't in the job description. Yeah. And it was like such a great fun. That was another joke, but it was like such a great uh, human one for her. It's so much fun. Yeah. And, and Harley beating the shit out of the Joker at the end. Yeah. It was great. It was a nice little comeuppance for, you know, an abusive asshole of a villain. <laughs> Yeah, I thought it was it was like very uh, gratifying and a good way to to close it out. Well, any parting thoughts? Uh, I will say this to the to the haters of this episode: kiss my buns. This Whoa. is a good one. Strong words from Joel <laughs> Jensen. Uh, thanks for doing the show, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. This was great. That's the show. If you liked what you heard, please rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. Leave a comment. Leave a review. Do it. Follow the show on Twitter at BTAS Podcast and me at Hey Justin. Donate to the show at patreon.com slash BTAS Podcast. Batman the Animated Podcast is hosted and made by me, Justin Michael. Tom Smith created the show logo and Casey Trela helped produce the theme song. Harry Chaskin is the booming voice of this podcast. Andrew Seeley is our show's producer. Emma Erdbrink is the editor. Matt Berceau recorded this episode and Yusung Lu helped coordinate. Last... Thank you, as always, to This American Life producer, Tori Malatia, who recently grumbled that he wasn't very happy to grab coffee because... The last time we met, you tried to throw me off a building. Yeah, that one's on me, Tori. I mean, guess we're kind of even at this point? I don't know. 